Welcome to California School News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Osmus and Drew Schlossberg. Good day to you. This is California School News Radio, the voice of education in California. Every week, we bring you newsmakers from the world of education to discuss what's going right in our schools from the perspective of administrators, teachers, students, parents, and community members. I am Kevin Osmus from VMA Communications, and with me today, as always, is my colleague and co-host, Drew Schlossberg. How are you doing today, Drew? Another beautiful day and uh, in this wonderful world of ours. It's a, it's a beautiful day and a wonderful world, as Sam Cooke used to say. Was it Sam Cooke? Uh, it was Louis Armstrong, but that's okay. Okay, that's my friend. You know, I'm I, I'm off coffee uh, this week. <laughs> I've been, and so it's 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 been rough. But in any case, today we go to Whittier High School and check in on an exciting new academic pathway that just launched this school year. The Cardinal Academy of Technology combines two popular classes from years past: the Cardinal Computer Academy and the STEM Academy, into a dynamic new four-year program with an emphasis on engineering and technology. And earlier this year, Whittier High was recognized by the College Board for continuing to expand young women's access to AP computer science classes, receiving its Female Diversity Award for the fourth consecutive year. Uh, here with us today to discuss all of this and more is Whittier High School Principal Tim Liggett. Welcome to California School News Radio to you, Tim. Thank you so much, Kevin and Drew. Great to be with you. And it's an honor for us to have you on the program. Uh, you have been uh, Whittier High now for since 2016. It's my seventh year. It's been a great ride. So that is about one-tenth of the time that Whittier High School has been in existence in this world. It's one of the oldest high schools, I believe, in Southern California. Yeah, we're in our 123rd year, which is awesome. Certainly the oldest one in the Whittier Union uh, High School District. So, well, let's talk a little bit about this uh, new pathway, the Cardinal Academy of Technology. This is something that you've been working on for a few years, and it, it finally rolled out this school year. So how's it going so far? Uh, it's going great. Classes are, are uh, rolling along. We have some incredibly dynamic teachers in the program, and the merger between these existing programs has really kind of gone off without a hitch. Uh, we're talking about 285 students in the program right now, which represents about 16% of our student body, and we're really excited they're getting this experience this year. The, the emphasis is on technology and engineering, uh, obviously, but what are some of the classes that they're taking? This is the first year, so just uh, what are some of these first-year classes like? Sure. Well, it's it, it's the first year of the, of a program, but because we're merging existing programs together, that actually means we have... Uh, students actually in all four years of the program, even though it's it's the first year of the program's uh, existence. Uh, to give you just a little bit of background, we had a computer academy here since the late 1980s. It was actually one of the oldest California partnership academies in the state. Um, and so that had been rolling along for quite some time. And I, I think, you know, one of the neat things about the academy and Whittier High School is the academy evolved. Because if you think about the emphasis in technology in schools in the late 80s and in the 90s, a lot of it was very business related, office applications. And, and so that was really the emphasis of the academy was, was kind of a business focus. Um, in, in more recent years, it had turned into more of an information communication technology academy. But around the same time, we started this, this STEM academy um, kind of off to the side, which had a little bit more of an engineering focus. 
And what we found as we were looking at the curricula for the two programs, there was an awful lot of crossover. So it didn't make sense to try to, you know, compete for students and resources for these two programs. And so, um, you know, our, our teachers had the brilliant idea to put them together. And it's really just exciting to see where it's going. So we have four, uh, four years worth of coursework already in the program. And the students are cohorted in English and social studies, as well as some of their other core courses, such as math. Um, but the, the courses that are unique to the program, the first year course, is an introductory engineering course where they really focus on robotics. That's one of the big focus uh, foci of the course. And um, what's neat about that, what makes it a great entry point is the fact you have to do a lot of coding in a robotics class, which was a significant portion of what our computer academy was. And then the second year is an engineering design class where they're learning how to use uh, CAD programs, uh, computer-aided design programs, um, and then ultimately take their designs and use devices such as 3D printers to actually make you know, physical models of the things they've designed on the computers. And then the third year, they bring in the electronics. It's, it's a, a, a term called mechatronics, which is a combination of mechanical engineering and electrical engineering. And then the fourth year, the capstone course, they put all of it together um, and do some really interesting projects. Yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's so cool. What I really like is you guys also love the A uh, and make it a STEAM uh, you know, component too. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you talk to uh, engineers that have been doing this their whole life, they absolutely love the A in this and that is art, of course. Uh, uh, talk about how that's uh, melded in as well, Tim. Yeah, so my personal background is in physics. And so I, I, I do kind of look at the world through that lens. But, you know, an integral part of science and mathematics and engineering is creativity. I mean, you take somebody like, like Isaac Newton, who's one of the people that we credit with the founding and the creation of calculus. The amount of creativity it takes to, I don't know, wake up some morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to invent a brand new kind of math today. That's, that's something that takes incredible creativity. And the arts are really a phenomenal way for the students to engage the creative sides of their brain. Also, I was in an art class last year. It was a second year art class where the students were building these, these three-dimensional sculptures. And it was really neat to watch them start with just a design on paper and then turn it into something physical. And in my head, I said, oh my goodness, that's, that's engineering right there in an art class. And so the connections are really strong and credit to our visual and performing arts department. Uh, I know that in, in some schools, it's sometimes hard to get the arts on board. Here at Whittier High School, our arts department was dying to be part of the process. They've been looking forward to STEAM for a while, and they're really excited to be a part of it this year. Yeah, you know, spot on, you know, and, you know, really those forward-thinking VAPA programs, you know, uh, there's so much science in building sets and theaters and, you know, physics and engineering and God knows what. Um, and it really is a no-brainer in that aspect of it. And I know something that's certainly near and dear to your heart and your and the teachers there is, heaven forbid, we have relevant education, right? And, of course, you guys are all about it. Um, and, you know, Kevin and I talk about this quite a bit on our shows and just love all the pathway stuff. So, you know, it's about time. And it is, you know, really infiltrated a lot of the schools. Listen, school to work transition has been around for a million years. We get it. Um, but now with an emphasis on it and some real CTE money coming into the schools and, and so forth, you know, that, that that's terrific. And, you know, I really love, you know, how you're, you know, really focusing a lot on, you know, some of those populations that don't normally get into um stem so to speak and uh with a focus maybe on you know uh, the women taking the courses uh, talk about that 
Sure. So there, there are a couple of pieces to that. Um, first of all, you know, one of the components of the California Partnership Academy grant is you're supposed to serve um, at least 50% of the academy is supposed to be comprised of the old term we would use is at-risk students. We, we call them at-promise students now. And there are a number of different criteria laid out by the law that determine you know, how students are, are qualified for being at-risk or at-promise. Um, and, and that does describe a lot of students at Whittier High School. And to be able to serve them in an academy, in a program, if you look at the, the career projections for STEM-related fields, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows something like 11% growth in the STEM field over the next 10 years compared to mostly 5% for other industry sectors. So it's definitely something we want to do to set up our kids for success. And what I really like about, about STEM and STEAM, you've got to work them in together, right, is that when we're talking about those careers, those aren't all necessarily careers that require four-year college degrees. There are a lot of wonderful careers that don't, that still fit into that STEAM area. But you also brought up the, the issue of getting more women involved in STEM, and that's certainly something that's really important to me personally. My wife is an engineer and has often been one of the few female engineers in the departments in which she work. Um, my oldest daughter is an engineering major in college. Um, and, you know, as a father of two daughters, I want my kids to have all the options available to them, all of them. And what I want as a father is the same thing I want as a school principal. I want that uh, to be available to all of our students, um, because I really do believe that in life, a lot of your success and your happiness comes out of having options. And that's something I think we can provide for them here with your high school very well. I think, Tim, um, they're just so, uh, you know, so spot on on that. And you brought up something that is so critical. Um, we love to talk about college and career, not college or career, college and career. So, but it gives you an option of not going to college if you don't want to and, and so forth. And you're right on, you know, with, you know, the certificates and the credentials that um, I know you folks are working on, maybe with some of your uh, local community colleges and everybody else. Talk about that pathway as well. And, you know, we all know it's been around since people were walking upright, for God's sake. When kids are motivated to do something, they just absolutely blow it out of the park. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things we've been trying to do here at Whittier High School is, and, and we absolutely want all of our students who can be to be college eligible. Again, it goes back to the idea of having options. Um, but we also understand people are going to make different choices based on what they want to do. And I, I think we want to paint the decision of how to go to college, not as the end, but rather a means to an end. There's a, there's a goal you want to achieve for yourself, a career goal. College may be the right path for that career goal. It may not necessarily be the right path for that career goal. And it's about trying to, again, provide students with opportunities, provide them with exposure. Now, when you talk about STEM, there are jobs in manufacturing, machinist work, even, even in the medical field, plenty of positions that don't require four-year degrees. And if you can stoke somebody's interest and they want to go in a particular direction and that direction includes college, great. We want to set them up for success there. If that direction doesn't include college, that's fine too. We just want them to make an informed decision, I think, and, and make sure that we're giving them as many options as we possibly can along the way. Well, channeling that, the recently uh, Whittier Union went back to an in-person college and career fair at Whittier High School, one of the best places to have a fair like that because Whittier High School is huge and you had, I don't know how many dozens and dozens of uh, recruiters there on the campus. And we talked a little bit that night, Tim, we, we, we talked about 
uh, how it's important for kids to know their options as, as far as, well, you know, they have their heart set on going to Harvard since they were five years old, but they can go to these college fairs and perhaps find a better fit, uh, something that's a lot more along their lines and maybe a more realistic choice for them without too much drop off in, in the quality of education. All of the all of the UCs, all of the Cal State uh, University schools, they're tremendous. Any 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 kid going to one of those schools is going to get a great education. But talk about bringing the, the college fair back and having it on at the Whittier High School campus this year. Yeah, so we were really excited to be able to host it this year. The first one that our district's been able to hold in person since 2019. Our district does the college fair in a very equitable way, which is to rotate it on a yearly basis among the five campuses. Um, so it was our turn. It actually was supposed to be our turn in 2020, but obviously um, things didn't quite go as planned in 2020 with the pandemic. Um, but what I what I really love about the college fair, and I think you hit the word right on the head there, Kevin, when you said fit. I think, I think for students, it's really important to find the college that's the right fit for them. And the reality is there are so many college choices out there. Think about just how many colleges and universities are in a 20-mile radius from the city of Whittier. There's, there's, there's a ton. And, and I look at my own personal experience. I went to a very small college in Claremont called Harvey Mudd College. And that was a college I had never heard of until probably my sophomore year of high school. And the only reason I even heard of it was because uh, a friend of my mom's, her son was trying to decide between going to UCLA and Harvey Mudd. And somebody who had grown up, grown up in a family of UCLA Bruins, my thought is, why is that even a question? Why is that a hard decision? You, you go to UCLA. But, but this young man who was a few years older than me chose Harvey Mudd. Um, if I hadn't have had that exposure to Harvey Mudd, I wouldn't have ended up in this place that was an absolutely great fit for me. And I think fit is really important because students want to be as successful as they possibly can in college. And fit is what really goes such a long way to determining their success at the next level. But that means they have to be exposed to options. We had over 75 college representatives, um, trade schools, community colleges, Cal States, UCs, private schools, in-state, out-of-state, we need our students to see those different options. So again, it's about making an informed choice about that fit. And, and I tell students all the time, you may end up going to a college in two years that you've never actually heard of until today. And so there's real value in these events. And it was really, really exciting and heartwarming to see the kind of turnout that we had across the district. Well, it's also heartwarming to have a fellow Claremont College 5C alumni on the program. We go back and forth between USC and UCLA so much on this program, but you graduated from Harvey Mudd. I myself am a Pitzer College grad. And you talk about fit because those two schools could not be any more different, even though they are adjacent to each other and, and many kids are, are friends with each other. But Harvey Mudd is definitely the, the engineering and physics and the, the brainiac school, let's face it. And Pitzer College is the hippie school. And, you know, and with the with the Kahoot Tech Festival at the end of the year. Did you go to any Kahoot Tech festivals? I, I did. There? I did visit at least one Kahoot tech during my time at uh, college i'm sure uh, i'm sure folks who are tuning into this podcast weren't expecting to hear a, a stag sage hens rivalry breakdown 
Um, but it's fun. Yeah. It, it is fun. And, you know, that was the neat thing about the five college experiences. Sure, each of the individual colleges was pretty small, but together we formed a decently sized liberal arts college and you could take classes across the board. I took a philosophy class at Pitzer. It was a great class. Um, and I, I really enjoyed my experience taking classes at all the all the colleges. So, so you went to Harvey Mudd, you, you majored in physics, but you're went into education uh, and first you were a teacher and now you're an administrator so that's a little bit of veering away from the from the career path that you might have thought you had at harvey mudd so talk a little bit about that talk about getting into education sure so uh, i went to harvey mudd as an engineering major um and i actually changed my major during my freshman year uh, i didn't particularly enjoy the first engineering class i i took and i'm not sure i could give you a really good reason why i didn't um it was a long time ago at this point but i ultimately settled on physics i, I had been thinking about a career in academia, you know, again, my father being a, a mathematician at UCLA for over 40 years, um, I saw the, the life that he lived and the things that he got to do as both a researcher and an educator. And to me, that seemed like a really exciting um, way to go. And so I was, I was really on track. I was thinking ultimately a PhD in physics is kind of where I wanted to go. And I was emphasizing in astronomy and astrophysics, which was really exciting. And I had a really great opportunity between my junior and senior year to do a summer job at Caltech, where I was working uh, for a planetary scientist, a gentleman named Mike Brown. Um, Mike uh, ended up achieving quite the claim to fame. He's actually one of the uh, planetary scientists who is most responsible for Pluto no longer being considered a planet. Um, this was before Mike got the uh, the Pluto killer moniker, which is what he uses on Twitter these days. Um, but I got to experience real university research. And ultimately what I learned that summer is it wasn't for me. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. And, and a lot of it was the, the other people, the researchers, they were all in and they were 100% every moment thinking about their research. We'd go out to lunch and they'd want to talk about their research. Now, this is the summer of 1996. The Lakers had just signed Shaquille O'Neal. They had just traded for this kid named Kobe Bryant, who nobody had ever heard of. I wanted to talk about that. I wasn't so excited about talking about research all the time. And so knowing that I didn't want to do research, also knowing that that was a key component of academia, that kind of left me with the education side. And so I thought I would get high, uh, give high school teaching a try, uh, and I'm really glad I did. So, Tim, you know, we'll, we'll keep on the teaching uh, motif, so to speak. So, Teach uh, for America, that's how you started. Talk about it. Yeah, Teach for America is a really great organization that started in around 1990. It was the the, the brainchild of a, uh, I believe it was a graduate student at Princeton University. Uh, the way I, I explain Teach for America to people who haven't heard of it before is it's very much like the Peace Corps, only you don't leave the country. Uh, with Teach for America, assuming you're accepted into the program, you uh, make a two-year commitment to work in an underserved, under-resourced school district and Teach for America places you in, in a school district. They have contracts with school districts all over the country. Um, and you know, during the, that two years, you're an employee of the school district. Teach for America helps, uh, helps you with, with student loans, helps finance future education, again, very much like the Peace Corps does. Uh, Teach for America was originally part of one of the original components of the AmeriCorps program, 
uh, from, from back in the, in the 1990s. So what I liked about Teach for America, first of all, is, you know, Harvey Mudd as, as a STEM school didn't really have an education department. So I didn't, I didn't really know how to access an education program in a traditional way. Uh, so Teach for America gave me a way to get started uh, in education without going through a formal education preparation program. Um, and, and I thought with a two-year commitment, that would be perfect. It would really give me a great opportunity to decide uh, if I liked it uh, or if I didn't like it. I didn't need two years. I needed about two weeks. I, I knew I loved it from pretty much the moment I started. It was a lot of fun, but it was a great experience. Um, I actually stayed at my placement school for a third year. I was having that much uh, that much fun. Um, and it's definitely a program that does a lot. And, and what I think one of the beautiful things about Teach for America is not everybody who does it stays in education. They go off and do other things, but then they get a real appreciation about what education is and what some of the issues and challenges are, which they will then take to whatever it is that they do after Teach for America. So it's, it's a wonderful program that uh, I'm really happy to have been associated with. Yeah. What school were you at where Teach for America? Sure. I was I was assigned to the Pasadena Unified School District, uh, and the school I worked at was Marshall Fundamental Secondary School, and I was there from 1997 to 2000. Great experience, great kids, and actually, I had no plans to leave. I figured I would I would be there forever, uh, but I had an opportunity to go back and teach at my own alma mater um, in L.A., and it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. Right. So now you're here on day one. You taught secondary math. What would what, you teach? Uh, science? So I, I actually had four preps that year. So oh my goodness. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. They were they they worked me pretty hard. My classroom was a converted wood shop and it had just been converted the previous year. You still had the you know the yellow tape outlines on the floor from where the machines were. Um and I had uh, one period of physics. I had one period of physical science, which was more of a general science class for students that still needed science credit to graduate. I had two periods of algebra one. Uh, and I had one period of, of a class that isn't even offered in high schools anymore called general math for, for high school students who weren't quite ready for algebra yet, um, which actually ended up being one of the most rewarding classes to teach because what I found in that class is it wasn't that those students couldn't do math. They just didn't think they could do math. And once we were able to break through some of those confidence issues, um, we were able to get some really nice success out of them. So it was actually super rewarding. But yeah, four preps was a lot. Thankfully, I was a lot younger then, and I could I could make that work. Certainly not anymore. Right. So here you are. You walk in. You got thirty five kids. What? How much? Or how many students? And you hadn't had one day of practice on classroom management, or did they go over that with you for like fourteen seconds? You know? Well, so one of the things Teach for America it does is they they put all of their all of their new core members into to a, a summer institute oh, yeah, and the, right. that year in, in the summer of 97. So I spent six weeks in Houston, Texas. They put all of us up in the University of Houston. Right. Uh, and what we basically did during those six weeks is in the morning, we taught summer school at some of the local Houston schools. And then the afternoon, we did workshops and seminars and all of that, trying to combine the practical from the morning with the theoretical from the afternoon. So it's not that we didn't have any experience, but also not quite the same experience that, say, a student teacher would have in a more traditional teacher preparation program. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, uh, well, first of all, thanks for doing that. I have a lot of friends that did Teach for America, and uh, they to you what, exactly what you said. It was a great experience. It was fun. Some of them stayed in education. Some of them are in some other fields, but they'll always take that away because those kids were just so loyal to them. They love the kids, and uh, and you know how that is. Uh, without any question. Before I turn it back over to Kevin, I want to circle back to something that you were chatting about that is I think so important when you talk about you know you know careers and. Uh, you know, you know, fairs and all that business. And, 
you know, it always never ceases to amaze me when you take a look at cyber. And I want to talk a little bit about cybersecurity. We know there's going to be about 2 million jobs unfulfilled. Um, the high paying jobs that are going to be unfulfilled. I mean, you're very familiar with that. But, you know, the beauty of it, you're talking about coding and robotics. Um, you know, you do not have to be a genius in STEM to get into cyber. There are jobs that will be salespeople, there'll be lawyers, there'll be artists. Talk about how you work with your kids to say, listen, there's so many disparate types of jobs within a content area. Um, so don't give up if you're not a science expert. You can still be successful in this field. Right. So one of the neat components of the academy program is that in the student's third year, the junior year, um, there's a mentorship component where we bring in community partners, folks from local businesses to work with our kids to do everything from resume writing to mock interviews. Um, and, and then they do a community service project together, typically at one of the local elementary schools. And what's what's exciting about that is the kids get to hear from people who are in the workforce and not necessarily directly in a STEM field, but fields that still relate to the concepts of STEM and STEAM. Um, a lot of the, the concepts of getting a job in STEM aren't that different from getting a job in business or in fashion or in culinary. It's, it's a lot of the same ways in which you learn to present yourself both in writing and in person. And so our kids get that practical experience through the mentorship program their junior year. And we're always so grateful to all of our community partners that are willing to work with us every year uh, to give our kids that real world experience you're talking about. We're on California School News Radio, and our guest today is Whittier High School Principal Tim Liggett, and we are talking about the Cardinal Academy of Technology. It's a new four-way engineering and technology pathway at Whittier High School, one of many, many great programs and 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 teachers that they, they have there. I listen to those two words, STEM and STEAM, and they're both acronyms. And the funny thing I thought about it today is that they're also words, and they're words that have multiple meanings, and both words can be used as a a noun and a verb. Thank you very much. That's uh, that's my my research for today on STEM and STEAM. You know, I really enjoyed the the part you you, you came to the, the the school in Pasadena. You were a kid. You taught, and and it was obvious that you know the the, the successes that you had in the classroom uh, very much motivated you to continue forth in in education. And the other the thing that struck me is because you were teaching. Uh, the, subjects that you knew about. You're teaching math, you're teaching physics. Uh, I can remember when I was in high school, our, our health science teacher was a former football player. You know, I think he played in the pros one, one or two years. And by the time he got to us, he was teaching health science and a great guy knew nothing about the health science. So this is where I want to give you a chance to kind of brag about your faculty and your staff and everybody at, at Whittier High, because I know that you have teachers there that are fully dedicated to uh, the subject that they teach and the students that they they teach. So uh, talk about that. Talk about some of your amazing, amazing people there at Whittier. Sure. So I, I'm going to start with this because I think this is this is really important. I, I had no plans to become a high school administrator. I, I thought I would be a teacher for life. Um, and when I got to Whittier High School in 2005 and I saw an administration that was willing to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, and I saw that so many of the good things that were happening at the school were all teacher generated, that was something that was exciting to me because that, that shifted my view of administration from, you know, telling people what to do to 
empowering and facilitating. And because that's what I saw administrators is doing here at Whittier. And we had such amazing teachers here. Um, I, I tell people all the time, if I had ended up in any other school than Whittier High School in 2009, any other district, I would still be a teacher because I wouldn't have the amazing faculty that I get to support uh, on a daily basis here. And you want to talk about education being a small world. We talked about my time in Pasadena Unified um, way back in the late 1990s. A student, uh, my second year at Marshall, uh, I still call him a kid, a kid named Daniel Oliver is now one of our teachers here at Whittier High School, who's one of the founding members of this Cardinal Academy of Technology. Um, and so um, seeing that progression as an educator is, is absolutely wonderful. But you know, this, this uh, Cardinal Academy of Technology really is the brainchild of two teachers, Daniel Oliver and Steve Swanson. Uh, we, we actually brought Daniel in to, to take over our Cardinal Computer Academy. And we brought Steve in a few years before bringing Daniel in um, to, to create an engineering program. Prior to Steve, um, we still offered courses like drafting um, that, were, that were not dissimilar to a drafting class I might have taken when I was in high school. And we, we wanted Steve to, to modernize it and make it more of an engineering class. And as it turns out, Steve and Daniel both used to work together at the same school in another district in Almonte. Um, and so the two of them were already friends before they started working here. And I think that friendship really helped, you know, uh, generate this idea of the merger of the two programs. Um, so Steve and Daniel are incredible. Um, it's really tough. We have 80 teachers here. They're all great. It would be impossible for me to go down the roster one by one. Um, I could. I don't know that you have enough time in your podcast for me to go one by one and say a great thing about all of them. But, but I think here's what I appreciate most about um, our staff here at Whittier High School is they understand that collaboration is really the key to student success, that adults working together, being committed to students, being data-driven, you know, trying things, seeing if they work. I, I talk about the fact that you know, teaching is an art and a science, and that's the science part of teaching, right? We try things, we measure their effectiveness, we measure the results, and then we try something different. Of course, the art of it is then, okay, what I did didn't work. I now need to think of something different, right? That's that's the art of teaching. And I really feel like our staff embraces that. It isn't something I always experienced in education. Some of my early years in education, I felt very siloed, very isolated. Um, but our staff here works so well together and, and always with the students uh, front and center. And it's just a really special place to be associated with. And you didn't hit the nail on the head there when you talk about art, the art of teaching or the art of anything is uh, try something. If it works, great. If it doesn't work and it likely won't work, then you've got to think on your feet a little bit and and create something new, which I guess goes back to putting the A in in STEAM. But this, this story you tell about Daniel Oliver, he was your student way back in the day in Pasadena. And now he is he is not just teaching at your school. Did you hire him? I did hire him. Yes, I did. How, how did that feel when you got his resume? Oh, well, so, you know, it's... Uh, you know, technology does bring us closer together from time to time. So I think Daniel and I had become Facebook friends in the mid 2000s, okay. something like that. So I knew I'd known he'd gone into teaching and I actually first tried to hire him as a science teacher because that's what he'd been teaching previously. Um, he wasn't interesting in moving at that time. And, you know, the economic conditions at the time, I totally understand why one might not want to give up their tenure and their seniority in, in a current district uh, to, to try something new. Uh, but we were ultimately able to bring him in as as um, as uh, a computer teacher for us. And, and he's been great. And it's been fun for me to watch. I actually 
first knew him when he was probably 17 years old because I didn't have him until he was a senior in high school, but I was the, the head baseball coach at Marshall uh, my first two years when I was there, 97 through 99. And uh, Daniel Oliver was on my team. He was, uh, uh, gosh, I think he played third base uh, his junior year, but then moved over to first base uh, his senior year. Led the team in home runs both years. Uh, great power hitter really knowledgeable player. In fact, was getting his umpire certification at the same time he was on the team. So I actually felt like he knew the rules of baseball a little bit better than I did. So yeah, it was really fabulous to keep in touch with him over the years, see his growth as a professional, and then to actually have the opportunity to offer him a job and for him to finally say yes was really a, a, a special moment for me. And then now he is he's he's helping create this uh, CAT, this Cardinal Academy of Technology. And I think that you just go back and 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 get taught this guy. You coached him in high school, you know, and he was your power hitter. And then that is just an amazing story. You don't. Um, and that's you know honestly that is what we love most here on California School News Radio. We're trying to you know we 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 say that we're bringing what's right in our schools. And and I don't think you get a better story than this. And I think that these kind of stories are, you can find in just about every school, uh, everywhere in every school district. Oh, I completely agree. We talk in society about how there are six degrees of separation. I think in education, it's more like two, three tops. Um, we're just a very close knit community. Everybody knows everybody who knows everybody. Uh, and some of the connections we're able to make in education are just uh, mind blowing sometimes. And what's great about this, I know Kevin will agree, um, we just love your energy for, um, that's an understatement of the world on this, um, the passion you have for your students and your uh, colleagues. And, you know, I think that's just so important. I'm sure that oozes into that staff as well. Where would you see, you know, um, Kevin, and I ask this question every once in a while, where would you love to see Whittier, um, you know, high school going five years from now, 10 years from now? Oh man, for a school with a with a with 123 years of history, that's always a hard question to answer. Right. Um, you know, ultimately, we talked more towards the beginning of the program about wanting to help every student make the best choice for them in terms of what they're going to do after high school. That's really hard to do. Um, that's really hard to do. Everybody, every school, every high school, everywhere does that with a certain degree of success. Um, but, you know, in, in our graduating class, we'll probably have roughly 400 seniors. And in an ideal world, I'd like all 400 of them to be moving on with an informed choice to the right option for them. That's what we want. But, you know, in, in schools, we deal with, with such quantities of students that sometimes we have to cast a wide net. And I think over the years, we've done a better job of, of fine tuning that to the point where each student is getting better and better individual support and guidance. But I think that would be my my goal is I know we're not at 400 out of 400, right? But but let's keep getting closer and closer to that number where, where each student is really making that great informed choice where students start saying, well, I'm just going to go to community college. Well, now, let's not say you're just going to community college. You're going to college. You're going to community college, but it's college and it's going to get you to where you want to be. That's not That's not just going to community college. That's an accomplishment. That's an achievement and an important step in your career. Helping our students see that, I think, is really huge. Well, I mean, you hit on something that, you know, every great educator, whether they're uh, an administrator like you or classroom teacher or, you know, in the central office, um, all the great ones know that there's not one student that walks through the doors that can't be successful. And, um, you know, for any 
person that's in education that thinks that that kid can't be successful, they probably shouldn't be teaching. So, you know, um, that's obviously all what Teach for America is about. And certainly that is so, so important. And just giving them that confidence, that sounds like such an obvious statement. Um, But unless you've been in that world, it's, it's not. And I'm sure that's so critical. Do you folks have a dual enrollment uh, programs with some of the uh, community colleges? So we do have dual enrollment classes. Uh, we, you know, our college partner, community college partner is Rio Hondo College. Right. And uh, so we have uh, every semester two to three Rio Hondo courses that are taught right here on our campus so our students can get that experience. We're also fortunate to have a great private school, Whittier College, right up the street, right up Philadelphia from here. Another Skyac school like the Sage Hens and the Stags. The Poets. <laughs> there yeah. you go, the Poets. And uh, they have been great to work with our students who have gotten really advanced in math. You know, with your high school, we offer two years of, of AP Calculus through Calculus BC, but we'll have students um, who exceed that by their senior year. In fact, we had a student just graduated last year that exceeded that before he even got to high school. Um, and so those students who are advanced in math, Whittier College has been great to, to, to bring those students in and, and take some college math classes actually on their campus. So we've got a great partnership with Rio Hondo and then Whittier College and supporting our advanced math students has been wonderful also. So anything we can do to give kids experience. And that, of course, is in addition to all of the advanced, pa- advanced placement classes that we offer on our campus. You know, um, you talked about this a little bit earlier, and we know how critical it is uh, to work with uh, those businesses um, that are supporting, you know, those STEM and STEAM, uh, you know, aspects and all that. What else can businesses do to really support what you're doing? Yeah, I think um, I'll tell you one of the things that our students are always looking for. They're looking for work experience. They're looking for internships, even just some job shadowing. I think I think just being open um, to high school students coming in and learning about about what the real world is because that's that's one of those things we can't teach in the classroom no no book learning works for that we have to live in the world to understand the world right that's that's the way it works and so i think the more that businesses are are willing to open their doors even just for an afternoon to let students see um what the world is like i think is fascinating and i think it'd be really valuable for the businesses uh, as well and it's one of those areas that unfortunately has gotten more difficult over time and not easy easier. There are always concerns about liability, and we totally understand that. You know, when I was in high school, volunteering at a local hospital was a pretty easy thing to do. It's a lot harder now, and I get it. I totally get it. With all of the HIPAA laws and all the liability concerns, it makes sense. But at the same time, it also makes uh, it makes makes it so our students have to wait a little longer before they can get some more of those those real world experiences. So whatever businesses can do to help provide that, I think would be huge and ultimately beneficial to them as well. You know, I'm going to be a little bullish on the businesses on uh, in this aspect of it, and I think you're spot on uh, without question, Tim. And listen, there's so many businesses that do great jobs uh, bringing some of their. Uh, you know, uh, folks into the classroom so they can see real life experience and if they're having opportunity. Um, but what I always used to chuckle about when, a, you know, a business person would be critical of the schools and they haven't been in a school in 35 years. I said, yeah, but pop your head and see some of the unbelievable things these kids are doing now that would make your head spin. That's one. And two, um, I don't want you to complain about what's going on in the classroom, especially when it talks about career pathways. If you're not opening your door to kids, uh, well, we can't do that. Then don't complain about the fact they're not getting this real life experience. I mean, I, I guess I can say those things. Maybe you can't say it as much, but uh, um, but I think it's so important that they know that, uh, Tim. Well, it's it's always interested me that, um, and this isn't a bad thing, it's just reality. Everybody has an opinion about education and how it should work. 
Um, and I understand it. Everybody's been a student. Everybody's been in school. They spent, you know, a minimum of 13 years in school. So that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's an area that they know, or at least they, they know a part of, right? Um, but it's always been fascinating to me. I've, I've never thought about going into a doctor's office and suggest to him how he ought to operate on me. You know, you know that you know uh, there's there's certain truisms, and Tim, you're a big sports fan, so uh, bear with me for a second here. There, you're always smarter than your kid's teacher. You're always a better coach than your favorite team, and you're um, you're absolutely a better referee than anybody who is calling a game. Those are three truisms that will be in any place. Do you agree or not, Tim? Oh, I th I think I think we all fall into that trap from time to time, and I certainly do every so often when I'm watching a, a game on the TV. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's very understandable. It's human nature. Yeah, Kevin. We're kind of getting towards the end, but the one question we haven't asked you yet, Tim, is you got to Whittier High School as a teacher. Um, you got inspired. You thought, hey, maybe I want to get into some administration. Finally, you did in 2011. You became an administrator. I'm not sure what your position was at that point. Uh, so talk about transitioning into to administration and then finally making it back to Whittier High as principal. Sure. So um, I uh, I got my, my opportunity to transition into administration actually in the middle of the school year um, when um, we had an assistant principal at the time, a gentleman named Bill Schloss, who's currently the principal of California High School. Um, he was our assistant principal of curriculum, and he had the opportunity to move over to California High School to be their principal um, in the middle of the year, which left an opening in our curriculum office for an assistant principal. And I'd recently got my administrative credential, and I was a uh, a department chair who had worked pretty closely with Bill over the years uh, on some of the the administrative tasks that the curriculum office does, and um, and so I was fortunate enough that the uh, the principal at the time, Gloria Schillian, the superintendent at the time, Sandy Thorstenson, um, decided to give me an opportunity uh, on an interim basis to be the assistant principal curriculum beginning in January 2011 at Whittier High School, and it was a little jarring to to, to leave the classroom in December and start in the office in January. It was definitely a, a, an interesting way to go. Um, saying goodbye to my students, I'm gonna tell you, is one of the hardest professional days of my life. After every period, I had to take a moment, go outside out in the hall, just to kind of compose myself after, after having to talk with them um, about the fact that I wasn't gonna be back in January, at least not in the classroom with them. Um, so the transition was was certainly interesting doing it during it mid-year. Um, I had the opportunity after filling out that interim assignment to then actually follow Bill Schloss over to California High School to be their dean of students uh, in the 2012 school year before coming back to Whittier to, to, um, to, to take on the assistant principal curriculum role full time, uh, which I did until 2016. Um, and so it was an exciting transition. Um, it was it was full of challenges, but it was also um, the challenges were were interesting and and it's very different than teaching. They both have wonderful upsides, um, and I miss teaching every day um, because that relationship you have with students when you're a classroom teacher, there's nothing like it, and it's one of those things that if you haven't done it, you really don't know. But when you have done it, even a little bit, you, you realize how special that is. But you know, on the on the administration side. Um, there are so many moving pieces that have to work together in order for a school to function and figuring out how to help those pieces fit together just a little bit better, move just a little bit more smoothly. Those are exciting problems to try to take on. Um, and so um, it, it's really quite satisfying to be an administrator, even though you don't quite have the same relationship with the students. 
Well, it just sounds to me like all of your training in physics and mathematics really works out well for this particular, because everything you said there is just like a, a problem needing to be solved. And then you, you throw in somebody like yourself with a lot of energy and, and very much of a leader. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, you have the formula for a great administrator. No, there. I appreciate that. But, you know, I think that ties back to how important the, the Cardinal Academy of Technology is, because because STEAM education really is all about problem solving at its heart. And whether in life you're solving math problems, science problems, engineering problems, or just the problem of I've got to pick up three different kids from three different schools in the afternoon, get them to three different after-school activities and still get dinner on the table. Those are problems too. And it's the same part of your brain, whether it's math or real life. And so helping our students exercising those problem solving skills will benefit them regardless of what they choose to do with their futures. And speaking of future, we talked about colleges and we talked about careers and finding the right fit of a college. And there was there was one uh, other advantage, I think, that uh, a possible advantage, because when you went to college, you met your future wife. I did. I did. My wife is also a Harvey Mudd alum, class of 98. And uh, she is uh, she was an engineering major. She she's one of the, the few people I know who, you know, really had a, had a vision from when she was very young uh, in terms of wanting to be an engineer um, who, who took that all the way through college and into her professional world. And then she worked for her first company for, for nearly 20 years before she moved to a new company. Um, so, uh, so yeah, absolutely. That was a, if people always ask me, would you, if you, if you had to do it all over again, would you make the same college choice or would you do something different? Well, when you meet your wife in college, it's kind of a no brainer. There's, there's really only one right answer to that question. And 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 she and she got a degree. I mean, in the '90s, there were probably more uh, female engineering students, but there weren't a lot of students then. I, I know because I have a, a, a really good friend of mine from Texas who received an engineering degree, a civil engineering degree, and she's been a civil engineer since the '90s. But you know, she said, "Hey, I was practically the only uh, woman in my class when I graduated, uh, sometime in the '90s." So uh, a bit of a trailblazer there, your wife. Well, it, at the time we were there, uh, Harvey Mudd had a male to female ratio of four to one. It was it was 80% male students at Harvey Mudd in the 90s. Now that has completely changed. If you look at Harvey Mudd now, a few years ago, um, I can't remember the exact year, but I know they graduated their first ever engineering class that was that was slightly majority female. So so that trend is really turning around. Um, I, I'm sure my wife would not want to take credit for being a trailblazer, but at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, she's often been one of the few female engineers in, in a room full of men. Um, and so certainly looking at, at my at my kids as they move forward, looking at my kids, my personal children, but also all my kids here at Whittier High School, uh, knowing that there'll be a lot more opportunities for them, regardless of of gender, of race, of background, anything ethnic. Um, to know that there are going to be great options to them moving forward is really exciting. Well, that's that's wonderful. And four to one ratio. I mean, that's just the surf city ratio just flipped on its head and just absurd. Uh, so I'm glad they've got that a little bit more more balanced now. So again, we're talking to Tim Leggett of uh, Whittier High School uh, and Whittier Union High School District here on California School News Radio. We're just about out of time. Uh, Drew, do you have any final questions and thoughts and, and, and requests of our guests today? 
Well, listen, it's been just wonderful talking to Tim. I mean, uh, the energy, as we mentioned earlier, oozes out of him, which is uh, was great. Just uh, thoroughly enjoyed this. Really happy to hear that uh, there's a community service um, component to what you folks are doing on your uh, pathway. Uh, maybe the next time we have uh, Tim come on, he can uh, chat a little bit more about that because it starts a habit of those kids giving back. And so once they learn it when they're in high school, they'll continue it when they get older, whatever they give back to. But I did want to say something. I think he went to a rival high school. Of course, you graduated about two billion years after I did. I went to Pacific Palisades High School. Oh, Pally. There you go. Went to Pally and we played Venice. You know, I played basketball back in the day. And uh, did I? Yeah. 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 I yeah. had one of my best games at Pally too. There was something about that gym. I just love the shooting background there. It was great. And two of my best games were against Venice. And, there you uh, go. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, back in the old Western League days. Yeah, it was old Western League games. And you'll know this being a UC, our rival was Crenshaw and played against Marcus Johnson and Robert Smith. That's who we played against in the, you know, but I saw Venice. Now, do you go back at all? Do you have, have you been back to the campus at all? Well, you know, so I, I was fortunate enough to teach there from 2005, right, right. which was a great experience. Um, I, I still I still um, have some connections there. N- not as many these days. Um, my my mom still lives out near the campus. So if I remember visiting my mom, it's not hard to drive by the campus and just see how things going. Uh, it was really exciting that Venice uh, had such a great year last year athletically. They won the city championship in football. Uh, they, they, they got to a state level in, in basketball. Nice. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was really awesome. I, I had a great experience at Venice as a student. I had a great experience there as a teacher. Um, had it not been for an exorbitantly long commute, I might still <laughs> be working there. Uh, but uh, commuting commuting uh, 45 miles a day one way was a little bit much, especially when that was through downtown each way. So yeah, no, that, that that's great to hear. And again, uh, you know, we just uh, thoroughly enjoyed this interview, Tim, and just wishing you nothing but continued phenomenal success moving forward. Oh, thanks so much. And I just appreciate the two of you uh, keeping the spotlight on, as you said in your open, things that are going right in education. We we really appreciate that. Hey, is it true that the uh, the Palisades uh, basketball gym, do they call it Pally Pavilion? <laughs> nice. See, there you, you are a wordsmith, Kevin. You know, the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> just oh, thought of me. that. Just yeah. thought of oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, uh, we, we have many. So there's a lot of great connections. There's the, the, the 5C connection. There's the high school rivalry connection. There was the love connection even in this in this. Uh, in this program. So we had everything. So we, we, we thank you so much. And now that we're at the, at the end of the show, Tim, if you have any shout outs or anybody that you want to thank or, or any last words, this is your moment to do so now. Well, I appreciate that. I, I obviously want to thank uh, all the teachers here at Whittier High School that worked so hard, especially the last few years in the pandemic. Everybody's just been working incredibly hard to make it work. Um, and I also just want to thank everybody at the Whittier Union High School District from our board of trustees to our new superintendent, Dr. Oviedo, and all the support that Whittier High School gets from the district level is just amazing. And this is just a wonderful community to serve. And it's it's really the honor of a lifetime. And I just appreciate being on the show today. Thank you so much. And when you come back, maybe we'll bring Bill with you on on the program. Uh, uh, Bill and I would make a great pair for a podcast. Um, <laughs> worked with Bill for many many years, and uh, he's a great guy too. We haven't had him on the program, so next time, you know, and you know, it was Lily Bo that recommended that you come on the program. I mean, we get the three of you on there, you know. That would that would be fun, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Well, that does it. That's uh, another California School News Radio in the books. Thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you to our guest, Tim Liggett of Whittier High School. And thank you to my co-host, uh, Drew Schlossberg. And also we have more thank yous here. Thanks to our engineers today, Andrew Landeros and Kelly Wynn, and also Ad Santel, who will be also uh, digging through this uh, for the final mix. Uh, we also like to thank Andy Torres and Daniel Paulus, our producers and outreach coordinators, uh, Andrea Garcia of uh, the hardest working education team in communications. And as always, uh, thank Val Martinez of VMA Communications for letting us do this every single week. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another great episode here on California School News Radio. So until then, uh, stay safe, stay educated, and we will see you then. Bye.